So as you know, we uh, we're experiencing a few difficulties. It's not too bad in here this morning. Hey, it's a little bit cool. That's not too bad at all. You know, and as a result, you know, our, our environment the last few days anyways has been challenging. Like here it's not too bad, but in some of the other areas of the church, it's been pretty chilly and uh, scrambling to try to keep our renters happy with that. But, you know, um, our environment changes when the flame goes out. And, uh, you know, and I think it's, it's like that in a lot of life. I think uh, that, like all things, the boiler has been in a state of actually breaking down for some time. We weren't aware of it. It was, uh, you know, there's things happening on the inside that none of us could see. On the outside, it seemed fine. Everybody was happy. Our environment seemed to be good. You know, uh, it was nice and warm and cozy. Everybody was happy. Uh, but on the inside, things were breaking down. And uh, ultimately, seemingly from nowhere, uh, we went from having heat to a day with a little bit of trouble to having a whole bunch of water in the boiler room floor, and that was not a good thing. But I... And I've been thinking about this because I think in many ways it's a parable about life. The life can often go this way. Life and our environment and our relationships are often going very, very well. It seems that uh, everything's okay. Everything's warm and comfortable. Uh, but on the inside, you know, the things that maybe we can't see begin to start to eat away. Uh, maybe begin to uh, uh, break down. And as those things uh, break down, uh, our environment begins to change. Our relationships also then begin to be affected. The things around us and the people around us now, uh, where there was, where maybe the relationship was hot, if it were, as it were, uh, the relationship begins to cool. And sometimes, you know, for a while we can make adjustments, but then when the bottom falls out, like it just did on the boiler this week, it all just spills out everywhere. You can't hide it anymore. It just comes out, and it's a bit of a mess. Uh, but the good news is, as we read this morning, that, that Jesus has come to clean up the mess, to, uh, to fix uh, the boiler in our life, as it were, to, to fan the flame of faith in our life in such a way that actually our environment uh, begins uh, to be changed and to be made whole and to be made new. And you know, that tells us in the Bible that sin has entered into our world and there's always this potential, in a sense, to rust. That, uh, that the decay happens not only physically, but it actually can happen spiritually. And it begins to affect all things. And, and so, just as we did with the boiler this week and uh, in the weeks to come, it appears, uh, we need somebody to come alongside us. And it's, and, we, and it's not just a friend, you know. I mean, Jesus comes alongside us and he says, you know, I know you as, as friends. You know, you've called me Savior and Lord and that's right, but now I come alongside you as somebody who, who loves you, who lays down his life for you. And Jesus said, there's no greater love in this world than for someone to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus does that. So he calls us friends. But, but we need more than just a friend, I think, in these situations. We don't, you know, just if, if Ron and, and Fred and I are down in the boiler room, we're all kind of hanging out together. That's, you know, that's all right, but... Uh, it really isn't making much difference in terms of the boiler, is it? <laughs> yeah, there's a big puddle of water, and yeah, yeah. So, uh, how, how you doing? You know, it's not, it's not really making a difference. We need somebody that actually knows what they're doing to make the change. And so, of course, we we call the repairman, and and you know, and it's not enough for the repairman just to come alongside. Yeah, I know exactly what to do. Yeah, no, we we need him to do it. Right? We need to not only diagnose the problem, but we actually need to fix the problem. 
And God in Jesus, uh, if we can bend this a little bit, is, you know, is the ultimate repairman. He does come alongside us as a friend, but he comes uh, recognizing that there is a decomposing happening, a breakdown that's happening, and it happens to all of us. And it happens just as it did with the boiler from the inside. And then it begins ultimately, if it's not dealt with on the inside, it begins to spill out and, and the breakdown causes effects everywhere. Not just in our own life, but, but in the lives of others. But the good thing is that Jesus is, he knows that that's the case and he knows the remedy and he doesn't just kind of stand there and say, yeah, I know how to fix this. He actually does what is needed to fix the situation. And so what Carol was reading to us this morning, it says that all of God's fullness was in Jesus, the image of the invisible God. And through him, God reconciled to himself everything, all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through his blood that was shed on the cross. His sacrifice on the cross is the solution to our need. But it's not enough just to know that. It's Jesus has to come and provide that. And I wonder with you, I don't, I don't know for yourself, but when you read all things, do you read all people? Do you read maybe all souls, everybody's spirit? Did Jesus come to reconcile just everybody's spirit to God? Did he come just to reconcile people to himself? Or is it all things? Because, uh, I, I mean, I think God is genuinely interested in us as people. He wants to have a relationship with us, the Bible reveals and Jesus shows. And, and, uh, and Jesus ultimately wants to see us develop in our spiritual lives. But I've been thinking about this this week and, and encountering some people where it's actually, it's actually more than that. It's actually all things, which would include the whole of, of the universe. And, uh, and so I wonder, when you think of evangelism, to whom are you called? And immediately I would think, you know, that I can think of this person that I want to come alongside or... You know, I want to go to this place. You know, the, the Unity Celebrity uh, event that we're going to do is going to be an opportunity to build relationship with, you know, maybe thousands of people here in town. Those are good evangelistic efforts. But I wonder what you would think if somebody started evangelizing the birds and uh, the reptiles and the, and the dog and the cat. That would seem a little bit strange. But, you know, in history, there's uh, this fellow, his name was St. Francis. We're going to sing a song that was written by him a little bit later in the service. But St. Francis, as he, he had this incredible encounter with God that radically changed his life, he was actually he was, he was the son of a, a wealthy merchant that, that dealt in clothing and cloth and stuff like that. And his, his, he was wanted to follow Christ, but the family wanted him, no, no, you need to stay in the business. And there was this wrestling period. And, and so Francis, in his encounter with God, says, Father, thank you for offering all of this to me, but I don't want anything of it. And he meant it literally, and so he actually took off all of his clothes and walked out naked from that encounter with his family. <laughs> now, not a, now, hey, uh, feel free. Uh, I ain't going to do that. I know where I stand with Jesus. I don't need to take my clothes off for that. But anyhow, but St. Francis had this incredible encounter that everything in life, he was just able to, to walk away from it. But he didn't just walk away from stuff. He began to to reach out, certainly to people. He began to restore things like churches that were broken down. But then stories are told of St. Francis, and there's many, many stories, and I'll just touch on two. 
but where St. Francis comes into contact with creation, and so one time he's walking with some of his, his disciples down, down the road as disciples of Christ, and he sees a variety of birds, not just kind of like one flock, but a, there's, I know there's crows and jays and just a whole bunch of different types of birds that are there. And so he stops. And it says that he actually uh, stopped and, be, and actually began to talk to them. It says this, um, filled with awe, he asked if they would stay a while. So this is Francis to the birds and listen to the word of God. He said to them, my brother and sister birds, you should praise your creator and always love him. He gave you feathers for clothes, wings to fly and everything else that you need. It's God who made you noble among all creatures, making your home and thin, pure air. And it says that the birds began to flap their wings and rejoice. <laughs> that sounds all a bit odd. You know, another time Francis was in a community where there was a wolf that was outside of the community and it was not just, you know, taking their, their sheep and their pets and things like that, but it was actually beginning to attack people. And so Francis himself actually uh, confronted the wolf. He went out, into, out of the community and met where the, where the wolf was. And uh, let me see what the, uh, historically what they said. It says this, that uh, Francis called out to the creature, come to me, brother wolf. Isn't that interesting? The one who is destroying me, he still yet calls brother. In the name of Christ, I order you not to hurt anyone. And he explained to the wolf that he wants him to make peace with the people of the city whom he was hurting. Now, how many times have you heard that in church? Yeah, yeah, you haven't. <laughs> I haven't had it heard it in church either. And, you know, and there's probably a little bit, of, there's certainly some strangeness there, but I think there's some truth that Francis, in his relationship with God, figured out what Paul was writing in Colossians where he says, God wants to reconcile what? All things to himself. And instead of taking that figuratively, he actually took it literally and he began to, to just be aware. And I'm not saying that you have to go out and look for flocks of birds and, and find wolves in your neighborhood or maybe the bear that's getting into your trash and say, hey, bear, I want you to stop eating. The, you know. But at the same time, can we be sensitive to what's going on in creation and to maybe recognize that it not only speaks of God, but that it actually we are meant to help it connect with God, to reconcile even creation to God is. And I think God's intention, Francis understood, is that all of our relationships are meant to be um, at peace. So we're meant to have a good relationship with God. We're meant to have a good relationship with one another, but also with creation. And uh, when we see this, we actually see what God's intention was right at the very beginning. You know, in, in the book of Genesis, it says that when God created everything, including humans, what did he provide for them as food? At that point, it wasn't actually animals. It was it's actually all of plant life. So for every uh, creature, there was something in creation that wasn't, I guess if you're chewing on the dates and the, and the leaves and the fruit, I guess you're still eating something, but it's not like the confrontation that we have with animal life today, that there is actually a harmony and a peace because we all together were meant to actually eat from the earth and then be in relationship with one another. I find that very interesting and in that, um, in that creation has that relationship one to another, but also 
uh, creation has a relationship and, and speaks out of God. And so we've sung that a lot this morning in various ways. And in Psalm 19, it says this. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim his handiwork. And so they declare praise. But it's not just just like the earth and the universe that do that. It, actually, the rest of life is meant to give praise to God, if you can believe it. It says this. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in the ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and every hill, fruit tree and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and rulers, young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. Interesting, isn't it? That... It's not just we, even though we're at, in one sense, you know, when, when God created everything else in the universe, he said it was good. And then when he created humankind, he says, well, that's very good. And I think when Adam saw him create Eve, he said, whoa, that was very good. <laughs> whoa, man, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so even though we're in one sense at the pinnacle of creation, we're meant to actually be as one with creation in the sense that we're all meant to give glory and praise to God. But we know that in our own personal experience, as well as what the Bible says, is that that at one point sin came into the world. And that which was meant to be together, so man and husband, us and God, even us and creation, that relationship was actually blown apart. It says in Genesis that actually it was cursed and that everything began to break down. And I want to share something with you um, from Hosea. So Hosea is an Old Testament prophet, and he's speaking to God's people, the people of Israel. And it's in chapter 4, and this is what he says. He actually uh, speaks about our relationship with God, how that gets broken, our relationships with one another, but then what the implication of that is in terms of creation. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. He says, there is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. And so there's, he's saying, look, our relate, your relationship with God is broken. And he says, actually, there's only cursing and lying and murder, stealing and adultery. They break every bound and bloodshed follows bloodshed. So our relationship with God is broken. And now what does it do? Just like the boiler, it starts to spill out and begins to affect others. And then it says, because of this, the land actually mourns. And all who live in it waste away. The beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea are what? They're dying. Interesting, eh? Do you ever, when we come to the cross or when we come to communion, do you ever think about in terms of, of the sins that we uh, do, so the sins of commission, the things that we commit, but even the things of omission, the things that we don't do? Have you ever thought about the implications of that in terms of what it's actually doing to the rest of the earth? That, that as soon as our relationship with God gets broken, it spills out into our relationships, but it actually spills out to the rest of creation. But even as that happens, Jesus comes and he comes to make a change. Because God wants everything that he created to be back in the good state that he intended it to be. And so God comes alongside us and it says this. It says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And so 
right at the very beginning in Genesis, when when sin comes into the world, it says there's going to be there's this brokenness between God and mankind. But it actually says there's a curse on the land, and Jesus now becomes a curse for us. And as that relationship begins to be healed, it actually makes an impact in the rest of the world. Just as when we begin to sin against God and against one another, the creation uh, feels it and, and starts dying. So as Christ reconciles us to the Father and, and with one another, actually creation begins to flourish again, begins to become alive. Lots of times in this church we talk about um, going into the promised land. And some, some of us are new. I'll just touch on it very briefly. But when God's people, the Israelites, they, were, they went into Egypt and they ended up being enslaved by the Pharaoh. And it says for 400 years they had to slave in that way for them. And then uh, at the end of that time, she says this in the book of Exodus, it says, during that long period, the king of Egypt died and the Israelites groaned in their slavery and they cried out. And their cry for help became, because of their slavery, went up to God and God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites, was concerned uh, for them. And then what happens? Anybody remember a guy named Mo? Yeah, Moses. God chooses somebody and sends them into Egypt. And what does Moses do? He leads his people to freedom. So there's this groaning, this this longing to be set free. And then God provides someone, in this case Moses, in such a way that they could actually go free. Did you know that creation actually groans? Much the same as we do. When you've when you've lost a loved one and you just have that heavy, heavy heart, it's almost hard to describe as this you know, actually the Bible says that actually sometimes the Spirit helps us you know, it, to express it, it says with groans that, that words cannot express, the Spirit actually helps us to express that brokenness. Do you know that actually that there's a, that weight that comes upon us is also felt by creation? In Romans chapter 8, this is what Paul says. He says, now I consider, Paul says, our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So he's acknowledging that we as people suffer as well. He says this, but we know that with the, that the whole of creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Uh, how many of us have had children at one time, been pregnant? And, you, and I, I just hear this, you know, by way of story. I haven't experienced it myself, honestly. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. But, but you get to maybe about eight months, in particular if it's in the summertime, and it's really hot, and you're starting to get... I, am I allowed to say this? Really big? I think I'm allowed to say this because I'm talking about pregnancy. So, you know, but you get to that point where you're just like, oh, I love this child, but get out already. That's a loose translation to some of the stories that I've heard <laughs> and experienced at home. But but there's this this groaning, this I want to get this out so I can continue to live like I've always lived. And creation has this, oh, I just wish this was over. How is it going to be over? This is what it says. It says the creation waits, waits in eager expectation. It's like it's almost like somebody said uh, up on tiptoes. Oh, is it coming yet? Is it coming? It says waiting, waiting in eager expectation for the sons of God, the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration. 
not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it and hoped that the creation itself will be what? Liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Where have we heard that before? In the Exodus, God hears the groaning of his people and he wants and he sends somebody and that's Moses who is revealed and Moses ta- leads the people out into freedom from the slavery that they've had for 400 years. And God is saying that, I don't know if you thought about this before, but actually creation is waiting for who? The children of God to be revealed. Now, we speak we rightly spend a lot of time in this church saying, you know, God wants to change us from the inside out. He wants to take our heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. He wants to take a spirit which is broken and he wants it to be made whole and new. He wants to take bodies, physical bodies, and restore them to the way that they were initially created. He wants to restore relationships where there was once brokenness. But he also wants to, and the way that he does that is he wants us the children of God to reveal it to the to others. And he's saying here too, don't just stop in those relationships and don't just stop there, but actually see your vision to not only reach out to the people that are outside these walls, but the whole of creation longs for you to be revealed. Stand up as a son and a daughter of God and and be, play your part in the restoring of all of creation. It's waiting for you. It's groaning saying, please, Come. So I guess I just want to remind us today that is it possible that Jesus, when he came to reconcile all things, that it's more than just us. It's everything. And so every decision, every relationship, every choice that we make financially and, and when we buy things, every, everything in life actually makes an impact. And we can do it in such a way as we give glory to God and see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, which is what's going to happen at the end of time. You read in the book of Revelation, it says that the new Jerusalem is going to, what, it's going to come from heaven to earth. That to see his kingdom come in fullness as God intended it. And then everything will be restored. It says in Revelation 22, it says, No longer will there be any curse. The curse will be lifted at the end of time. But we can live towards that now. We can begin to lift the curse that is already on creation. And we can begin to see the relationships even within creation restored. It says this in the book of Isaiah. It says, Behold, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. And he says this, The wolf and the lamb, they're going to hang out together. So Actually, they'll feed together. They'll kind of share a common meal. And the lion will eat straw like the ox, and the dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy in all of my holy mountain. Isn't it amazing to be at that place where, I mean, we love when peace comes to us and we're actually in harmony with one another. There's no more fighting you know, or devouring. I mean, we've all experienced that. We, don't, we think of animals and devouring flesh. You know, actually, the Bible says, hey, be careful that you, you, know, you stop biting and devouring one another. We can actually do that to one another. Now, of course, I mean, most of the time, 99.9, is we're not taking a, you know, a pound of flesh physically. But we begin to devour one another, just eat, you know. In one sense, we say, oh, it's eating me up. But sometimes we can do that to one another. We eat one another up. But what Isaiah says is actually, there is a time that's coming when none of that is going to happen anymore. You'll be able to go for a walk in the woods and you won't need any bear spray. Just because it'll be, hey, 
Brother Bear, Brother Wolf, how you doing? Ultimately, God is involved in this. Actually, I want to read one more thing out of Revelation. Because what's going to happen at the end of time is, is this. It's, it says that, and when the Lamb took the scroll, so this is talking about Jesus, it says, the four living creatures and 24 elders in heaven fell before the Lamb and they began to praise him. You are worthy to open the scroll. With your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language, people and nation, and you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Not just reign over people, but they will reign over the whole earth. So, and then he says, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. And so we have the spiritual. And Worthy is the lamb, the angels say, who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength. And then it says this, then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them. And they were what? They were singing. Amen. Thank you, Leoba. I wonder what that's going to be like. It's going to, like, uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe that's one song, and the birds will have another, and the whales will have their own song, and maybe it'll be kind of like on Finding Nemo when, <laughs> when she talks, whale. Anyway, sorry. That's maybe an inside joke. But, <laughs> but the whales will have their own words and their own song that all of creation will lift itself up and give praise to him. And if that's the case at the end of time, as John describes it in the book of Revelation, how much more should it not be now? And so ultimately Jesus says this in the book of Revelation chapter 21. He says, Behold, I am making everything new. And it seems to me that a part of then our being in the image of God, the one who... So Jesus is... As we read this morning, the fullness of God lives in him. He is the image of the invisible God, the the scriptures tell us. So if he as the image is one who has created us in his image, if he is making all things new, should we not be also about making all things new? And and to truly, truly go after the all things. I think that's all I wanted to share this morning. But can we agree on that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I kind of switched at the end uh, this morning, but I, uh, I've chosen a couple of songs just for us to, to wrap up this morning. And, and one is, is a celebration of what God has done for us. And then one is the song of St. Francis of Assisi, that all of creation just uh, would, would rise up and, and worship God. And so um, I don't know how you come this morning. I don't know where you're at, but... You yourself might be in that place, just as we talked about at the very beginning. You know, you, uh, you're a little boiler, and maybe there's something inside that's just beginning to eat away that you know you just need to do business with God about to, to see a change before it starts to leak and to spill out all over the place and affect your environment. That I just invite you, as we, as we worship God now, that you just uh, maybe just lift that up to him in prayer and say, God, I, I would really love for you to reconcile, to make new that which is broken in me before it gets any worse. Or maybe it's already at that place and it's spilling out all over. God's a really good repairman. He wants to, wants to pull that together for you, to, to heal it, to make it new. And where, where things are already whole, let's just celebrate and praise that with him.